Hey everyone. So it's been a while since our last language video and I figured it was about time. Today though we're not going to have a look at one specific language family or even an individual language like we've done with German or English or French. Today I figured we could have a look at a region and all the different languages spoken there. Or I guess I shouldn't say all the languages because there is an incredible wealth of uh, languages and going through all of them would probably still be here tomorrow. We're going to have a look at this part of the world right here, the Caucasus. So we are between the Black Sea to the west, the Caspian Sea to the east, and here we have the Caucasus Mountains, the three countries in the region are Georgia, Azerbaijan and Armenia with a little corner here belong to Azerbaijan and there's also Russia, Turkey and Iran. And I think it's worth looking at the actual geography because a purely political map doesn't really give us a good idea what the region's like. As you can see here it says Caucasus. This is the northern mountain range with Mount Elbos right here. 5,165 meters. Like I said before, depending on where the line between Europe and Asia is drawn, this is the highest peak in Europe, or just one of very many high peaks in Asia. Sometimes the uh, border is drawn across the watershed of the Caucasus and sometimes a bit north. We also have a, another parallel mountain range, the Lesser Caucasus, or sometimes also known as Anti-Caucasus, which I find quite funny. And I think what's noticeable here on this map is that towards the north, so Eastern Europe, we have very flat areas here north of the Caspian Sea, even a depression, so land lies below sea level. That also goes for Baku, by the way. Towards the south, however, we have a couple of plateaus and highlands from Anatolia over the Armenian highlands into the Iranian plateau. And you can see how this 
kind of functions as a border. And if you look through some historical maps, you see that that was often the case throughout history. Here, for example, we have the Persian Empire with the Caucasus functioning as a border. The Empire of Alexander the Great appeared further south, but also just up to well, the anti-Caucasus, I guess, in this case. It is barely included on these maps of the Roman Empire, unfortunately. But you can kind of see that this line is still there. We then have here a map on the spread of Islam, again, all the way to the mountains. We can see it being an important border in the Ottoman Empire. and also during the time of the Mongol empires. We have the Golden Horde here in the north and the Ilkhanate in the south of the Caucasus. And I think it's also quite clear then what kind of influences you have there in the region. If we go back to the first map. We have a Russian influence from the north, especially starting with the 18th century. We've already seen that we have a Persian influence for a long time and the Ottoman Empire was present in the Caucasus and influenced the languages spoken there and the cultures. Right, and now we go on to a, well it's not quite a linguistic map, we're taking a bit of an easier version today. This one is a map of peoples, but I really like the way this map is created. I think it's very clear and at least for the start it is good enough for us for what we want to do today. And you can see here, it says Caucasian peoples, in the European peoples and Altaic peoples. And I figured we're going to start with some languages or language families that we've already talked about and are slowly going to work our way towards languages that we haven't talked about yet. And I thought we could start with the Turkic languages. So we have Altaic here, but I've mentioned before why you often come across this term. Altaic is probably not a genetic relationship 
that this is not actually a family of languages that have developed from a common ancestor, but Turkic and Mongolian were just probably spoken in the same area and influenced one another. Hence many similarities between the languages. To start with Turkic, we have here in a light blue, number 22, Azeri. This is the language spoken mostly in Azerbaijan, but also here in the north of Iran, as you can see. And this is a language closely related to the Turkish spoken in Turkey. And in fact, most native speakers just refer to the language as Turkish. You might also hear Azerbaijani Turkish. You might hear Azeri, but while that's a term that's used in a neutral fashion in English, it isn't always neutral to native speakers. So, yeah, sometimes just called uh, Turkish. There are about 24 million speakers of this Azeri Turkish. And it's an official language, not just in Azerbaijan, but also here in Dagestan which is a republic in Russia. It's quite heavily influenced by Persian, as you can imagine. And like I said, we are here closely related to the Turkish used in Turkey, which is one branch of the family. But if we're looking at these languages here, like Nogai or Kumuk, that are spoken further north. So here these blue areas, for example, in Dagestan, in Chechnya. These are part of another family, the Kipchak branch. And Kumuk was actually the lingua franca of the Northern Caucasus up until about 1930. It's still spoken by almost half a million people. The same is true for um, Karachai Barka. He listed as two separate peoples, but it's one language, which we have. Here, 23 and 24, a bit further to the west. Again, in some republics in southern Russia. Also part of the Kipchak family. About 310,000 speakers for Akarajai Barkar. And Nogai has about 90,000, but also lots of smaller communities outside the Caucasus. This is generally something that's true for a lot of the languages present here. 
that they are home in the region, but they are also spoken in other countries, other continents even. You often have quite a large diaspora of some of these languages. And while the Turkic languages came in a little later, the populations here are probably quite old and have been in the region for thousands of years. And you can see that they live here along the mountains. The white area is um, the part where few people live the peaks of the Northern Caucasus. And then we also have the Kalmyk language. You can see here, this is a Mongol language. We're a bit further north. In Kalmykia, in Russia. There are about 80,000 native speakers in a population of 180,000. So only about half of the population speaks Kalmyk language. And that has to do with the fact that it was heavily suppressed during the Soviet era. And only with the perestroika did it become an official language of the region. However, the damage was already done at this point, and it is an endangered language today. Again, quite an old language that actually had its own script, part of the Mongolian scripts, and is today written in Cyrillic. And a small little fun fact, if you've watched the Star Wars movies, the Ewok language was based on the sound of Kalmyk. Alright, so much for the Altaic languages. Let's jump a little north here to the Indo-European ones. Mishka wants to join us for a bit for the Indo-European languages. So we obviously have Slavic languages here, namely Russian, which is spoken throughout a large part of the region. You also have some other Slavic languages like Ukrainian, but there are a smaller number of speakers and they're not listed on here. In the south, here in Turkey, as well as on the border to Iran and in Iraq here, we have the Kurdish language, which we've also recently talked about when we talked about the Iranic languages, or Iranian. Both versions exist. We have some other smaller Iranic languages like Talish with a well, smaller, also about half a million speakers um, here in this area. But I think the interesting part is, for example, here, Ossetian. 
Once again, we're jumping right into the middle of the Caucasus. And you can see here that there are two different places. There's the North Ossetia, which is a republic within Russia. And there is a South Ossetia, which is part of Georgia, but it is a contested territory. There's some tension uh, with Russia over a potential independence. However, it's internationally not recognized as an independent state. So effectively still part of Georgia. Ossetian is an Iranic language with uh, over half a million speakers. It is also quite an old language. The earliest written examples are from about a thousand years ago. Back then it was written with the Greek alphabet. By the 18th century it was then written in Cyrillic in the north and with the Georgian alphabet in the south. We'll get to that eventually. It eventually then changed to the Latin alphabet, then back to the Cyrillic alphabet. And that's something that also happened quite a lot, especially in the former Soviet Union. Interestingly, Ossetian might actually be related to the Scythian language, which we talked about recently. The Scythians, after all, were here, north of the Black Sea. Alright. We also have Greek, little pockets here, often called Pontic Greek. And you might think that these Greek speakers have been here for a really, really long time as well. After all, Greece isn't that far away either, just on the other side of Anatolia. And we do know that the Greeks back in antiquity went east as well. There's the story of Prometheus, for example, which is placed in the Caucasus Mountains. But the Greek speakers you can find here today mostly came here during the later stages of the Ottoman Empire from Anatolia. So this is a younger population here. And by the way, there's also a Greek population that uses a Turkic language. They are called Urum, also here in the Caucasus. Alright, and now we get to one of the really interesting languages here, which is Armenian. So we have here Armenia, the borders of the country quite the same as the borders of where the speakers live. You see here you have Armenian speakers in Georgia, in parts of 
uh, Azerbaijan. And historically, you also had a lot of Armenian speakers in Anatolia and further east. This entire uh, area here, you might remember, is called the, um, the Armenian Highlands. So, quite an old state. There are two different standard forms of Armenian, so it's a pluricentric language. One in the east, spoken today in Armenia, and one was spoken in the west, so what is today eastern Anatolia. The population speaking the western Armenian language is not depicted here anymore because of the Armenian genocide that happened at the start of the 20th century. Many speakers fled the area, others still live in Turkey today, but hide their Armenian roots and don't use their language anymore. You have a huge diaspora. Out of the something like 7 million speakers, two-thirds live outside of Armenia, partly in Russia, partly in the US, partly in other um, places in the Middle East, like in Iran or formerly in Syria. You also have a large diaspora, for example, in France or in Germany. The thing about Armenian is that it is one of the very old literary la languages in the Caucasus. Classical Armenian was already a written language and had a written standard back in the 5th century, so 1,500 years ago. And this classical Armenian was used for a long time. It was only in the 19th century when people decided that they wanted to modernize the language. At this point, classical Armenian did feel a little old. And it was mostly used, for example, in religious contexts. So at this point, it was further developed into a new literary language that was a bit easier to learn. It's also written with its own um, script, which was developed in about 400 AD by Mesrop Mashtots. He was a theologian, a linguist, a composer, and he created special scriptures for Armenian. And he's a really important figure in Armenia. In most places that you go to, you will find a street named after him. You find some monuments in Yerevan, in the capital. Former Lenin Avenue is now Mashtots Avenue. I think that gives you a good idea of just how important he is in the area. The Armenian alphabet was probably modeled after Greek uh, as it follows the same structure, but it does still look different. And interestingly, the Armenian alphabet was also used in Turkey for a while. 
in the 19th century. Another language that uses its own alphabet is Georgian. And now we get to this part here, the actual Caucasian languages. So, so far all of these have been languages spoken in the Caucasus, but also in other areas of the world. These languages here are native really to this part of the world and they form their own language families. Altogether there are three Caucasian language families, Kartvelian, which includes Georgian, and um, three other languages that are not listed here, but I'll show you in a minute on another map. So that's Georgian, south of the main mountain range, and then you have basically north Western Caucasian languages and Northeastern Caucasian languages. There are some theories that the two northern families are related to one another. The southern ones, so Kartvelian with Georgian, definitely stands on its own. There's no relation to the northern ones. Nonetheless, all three of them are often put together under this umbrella term of um, Caucasian languages. And they do share some similarities. Um, as I've said before, when people spend a lot of time as neighbors, they do tend to influence one another. And one thing that the Caucasian languages are known for, for example, is that they use a great number of consonants, but very few vowels. In these northern languages, sometimes there are as few as just two different vowels in a language, but something like 60 different consonants. Georgian too has that, where they will have words with six consonants in a row can be quite tricky to pronounce when you're not used to it. They sometimes also pronounce two consonants almost as one, so with one release. Um, it's something I really struggled with. I tried to pronounce one or two words, but I feel like that would take a lot more practice. So anyway, let's look at the Kartvelian languages. Like I said, there are four languages in the family and there are no other relations anywhere in the world. There are about five million speakers. Altogether with the Caucasian languages, there are 11 million speakers. So almost half of them fall to the Kartvelian languages. And Georgian is by far the biggest one of these, with about 4 million speakers. It has its own script, which was also developed around the same time as the Armenian one, 
So in Armenia, people like to assume there was also Mashtots who developed it. Georgians don't like this idea. In fact, we don't really know where the Georgian script came from. It's probably also based on the Greek alphabet and was probably developed when Georgia uh, became a Christian nation. At that time, the Aramaic language was replaced with Georgian. But how exactly that happened, we don't really know. The interesting thing about the Georgian script is that there are in fact three different ones. One is today's standard that's used for pretty much any publication. And two are mostly used by the Georgian Orthodox Church or when you want some ornamentation, for example. I think it's quite a beautiful script. And of course, it is suited to the needs of the language with its many different consonants that need to be represented by a letter. So if you wanted to write it in Latin, for example, you would run into problems because there are not enough letters in the Latin alphabet for the rich consonant system of Georgian. As for the other three languages, they are Mingrelian, Las and Swan. Much smaller communities from about half a million speakers with Mingrelian to just about 30,000 with Swan. The thing about these other three languages is that they have no official status and they have no written standard. So often they are used at home in a casual context, but for official business, for publications, people would switch to Georgian. jump north of the Caucasus and look at the northeastern and northwestern languages and I have to admit the northeastern ones in particular were a bit of a challenge to prepare. If you just look at Dagestan you can see how many different numbers and colors you find here. So this is an area with incredible linguistic diversity. And the thing is, there are 14 official languages in Dagestan. It is um, assumed that there are 30 spoken languages with about 80 dialects. And of course, some of these dialects can be very, very different from one another. And you might argue that they're actually languages on their own. The three largest northeastern Caucasian languages spoken in Dagestan are Avar, which we see here with the number seven. I also have a little bit in Azerbaijan here. It has about one million speakers. Then we have 
uh, the Darian group with Darkra, which has about half a million speakers. Number eight here. And Leskin, also with a bit more than half a million speakers here, with the number 10. This is an interesting language, it has 18 cases, so also very rich grammar. These three languages are also spoken outside of Dagestan in area surrounding the Republic. They are literary languages and they function as a bit of a lingua franca in some contexts because like I said 30 languages, 80 dialects, you do need a way to communicate with one another. Another language of this branch that you've surely heard of is spoken here in Chechnya. It's spoken by about one and a half million speakers. It has official status in Chechnya. And the interesting thing about Chechen is that it does have a great number of vowels. So that's a bit unusual for these languages. I've seen it described as a vowel system similar to German or Swedish and consonant systems similar to, for example, Arabic. So you have a lot of sounds that are further back in the mouth or back in the throat, which can be a bit difficult to learn when you are not used to them. The, the numbers really differ though. So I've seen the number of vowels given as anything between 28 and 44, consonants 40 to 60. So that's quite a large range, uh, depending on you, how you classify them. The scripts that have been used for Chechen have been Georgian, Arabic, Cyrillic, Latin, back to Cyrillic, so lots of changes. And there were some medieval writings, but those unfortunately have been lost in the meantime. I also can't really tell you how many languages exactly are in the Northeastern group. People aren't even sure how many branches there are. Probably something like seven, but then there are many, many languages that have just a couple hundred, a couple thousand speakers. So very much endangered and very, very small. On the western side, it isn't much better for some of the languages. Maybe the most famous one here is the Ubik language, which was spoken probably in this area. Unfortunately, this is a language that went extinct. The last native speaker died in 1992 in Turkey. One good thing at least is that the language was studied beforehand. You can find audio examples. There are um, 
grammar books for the language. So we do have knowledge about it still. But there is no community of speakers that still uses it. The two living subgroupings of the Northwestern branch are Circassian, with, and we have it here, Adige, um, and Carpadin. So again, the um, names of the populations don't always map onto the names of the languages. And in fact, these two languages are different enough to be classified as languages but sometimes they're still referred to as dialects so they do have a lot of similarities the larger one is Kabadian spoken here, number four with about one and a half million speakers and Adige, number two here has about 600,000 speakers and historically it was thought that Sochi was the ancient capital of this region. It's not listed here on this map. The thing about Circassian languages though is that a large number of speakers again live outside of Russia, often in Turkey, and unfortunately when the Russian forces moved south towards the Caucasus starting in the 18th century, many of the Circassians died or were exiled. This is a genocide that is so far only recognized by Georgia. It's probably about 90% of the population that either died or had to leave. So these small pockets here give you an idea of how large the area actually was where these languages were spoken. And then last we have um, here number one, Abkhaz. Let's see, this is here along the Black Sea coast, Abkhazia. Also with about 50,000 speakers, again over 60 consonants and just two vowels. And I quickly want to show you one other map that maybe gives you an even better idea of what the situations really like with languages. So we have this language lexicon that we've looked at before. And you can see here, we have the Krakwilian languages in shades of yellow with the smaller ones here towards the Pontic coastline. And particularly the eastern ones here. Have a look at this part. So many languages in such a small area. I find that really fascinating. And again here in Azerbaijan, I think it gives you a good idea just how many different speakers there are 
which are not really represented in the same manner here on the other map. It's a bit easier to read and a bit easier for me to talk about, but this is really quite something. It's a really fascinating area, the Caucasus, when it comes to languages. And again, a very, very long history of populations that can in some points even be traced back, not just to the Scythians, but even further. There are some theories that some of the northern populations actually have a connection to the original civilizations from the Fertile Crescent here in the south. So kind of the beginning of civilization. This was interesting to you. Really like learning about this area. But for today, I believe that's enough. And we're gonna close up this book. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you again next week, hopefully. Until then, good night and sleep well.